0: I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by BookIt. So I just, I just bought sunblock and I, everyone's telling me save yourself and, and your future and, um, take care of yourself. And I never really did, but, um, I think I'm at that age now where like, we're starting to get some creases. We're starting to get some lines yeah. here, some laugh lines, some sun lines, some stress lines. So I got, I got to, I got to change it up.
1: I, have to take I definitely care of myself. have, I have laugh lines because when I smile. All the l- match, yeah. Major well,
0: yeah, it's proof of how much fun you've had.
1: Exactly. Right? They're not wrinkles; they're just fun timelines.
0: Well, I'm I'm happy to be here to have fun timelines with you, Adam. Um, today. Uh,
1: Speaking of for fun those of you, lines.
0: uh, uh t- t- yeah, for those of you, um, uh, listening, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Um, were you segueing into something interesting or? I was. I
1: was going to intro this person who makes me smile tremendously. Okay, go Um, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Great. Um, I love (laughs) this person. (laughs) This week, we are thrilled to be joined by one of my oldest and dearest friends. We moved to New York City together, and we both attended Circle in the Square Theater School. She's an actor. Mm. She's an activist. She's a producer. And most recently, she is a published Cookbook author, please welcome Laura Delhauer.
2: Hi,
1: <laughs> Laura,
0: Hi, welcome.
2: Hi.
1: How are you?
2: Oh, I'm so good because I'm seeing your faces right now. <laughs>
0: it's been a long time,
2: it's been yeah. a very long time.
0: You're in California right now,
2: yeah. I am unexpectedly. Well, I guess right now I can't call it that, or I can't at this point I can't call it that <laughs> anymore, but. It's a little weird. I'm like, oh right, I'm here. But
0: now but this is this is your home state, correct?
2: Yeah, I was born here and then I moved to New York City same uh, with Adam at right. in 2010. And then I was there for God. almost 10 Seems years. It's like a lifetime ago. 2020, <sighs> Seems like a lifetime ago. And in twenty twenty, um yeah, yeah. Um I was I had planned to be out of state. Um I I planned to I was gonna be in California. Um first for the holidays to see family, and then I was gonna be shooting uh, a feature. Um and then as soon as that wrapped, I was supposed to be going to Indonesia. Uh, we were
0: supposed to do a lot of well, things. I actually did, did we do all so, of them, we were, Weren't
2: we? <laughs> oh, you
0: did do them. Oh, I did do all of those God. things
2: and then COVID hit and I was in the f- effing rainforest. Oh, I can say fucking on here, huh? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I was in the fucking rainforest. <laughs> I remember. So, but you were there. You were you were there. Sorry.
1: Go ahead. We always sorry. We always (laughs) talk over each other. I remember worrying about you because all of this was happening, and it just it kept when I was in the airport. Yeah, it kept escalating, and I you were supposed to come back March fifteenth. Yeah, and it kept escalating, and I was like, "She's in Indonesia." Yeah. What yeah. is even happening over there? And I'm Googling, you know, corona, yeah. coronavirus Indonesia to see if you know, it you was, like, know. It, you know, it was really crazy, but you got back. What a sweetheart. To yeah. Thank you. Yeah, God. I
2: did. I um, stopped in Hawaii on the way back and then I was like, maybe I should stay here. And then I was like, no, no, no. Okay, let me go back to New York. And I debated just, anyway, I, I did get back to New York, was there for about a week and realized all my friends were fleeing the city. And it was right before New York city really became like the epicenter of the virus, uh, in like the world. And I, and I had, um, my friend from Hawaii, I had friends from all over who were like, get out of there. And I was like, okay. And my living situation wasn't such that I, I didn't have like, like a lot of community, like in my neighborhood. So I was like, I just got, I, I got to go. And this is at the time when we still thought this is going to be like six weeks. So I thought, okay, Shut I'll just go home to my family first. <laughs> and um, yeah, then they turned into this whole thing with like battle with my landlord. I, all of my jobs were canceled that mm-hmm. I was supposed to have lined up after three months away. And so I had no income and I had like no money um, and so I was like waiting on checks from a few different jobs, but those people were all like, sorry, this is screwing us up. So I wasn't getting those checks. So I just sent like a very earnest email to landlords like, Hey, this is what's up. I was also in a sort of special circumstance. This might be kind of boring, but like, uh, briefly my, I learned, um, had recently bought my building for cash. Because they wanted to kick us all out, gut it, and turn it into luxury condos and let mm. rich people live there. And so I've been living there for like seven and a half years, and I was going to have to be kicked out by the end of 2020 anyway. And they were really trying to give us all incentives to leave sooner. And they were like, we'll give you your deposit back. You don't have to pay your last month's rent. Just get out, just get out. Like they really wanted everyone gone. I was like, I'm staying here till the fucking second. I have to leave. And I was still trying to figure out ways to fight it because I was really frustrated. But then when all this hit, and I was like, listen, like in my head, I'm like, I know you bought the building for cash. I know that you're tr- you've are you already gotten 50%, if not 60% of my my uh, neighbors to move out. I know you don't need my money, but I wasn't unwilling to pay. I just was like, I literally can't pay you right now. And this, this is these unprecedented circumstances right. for the entire world. And I got the coldest emails back just saying like, absolutely not. You have signed a lease. You did it like, get us the money by this day. And I was like, try getting blood from a stone fuckers. Like, are you, kidding uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, they are
0: such wonderful people. Aren't they landlords? They really just care about your well-being like rather think, than I, the I heard, dollar. You know, I heard
2: some wonderful stories throughout the pandemic of, of, of a few landlords here and there who were like, I got you this month or whatever. And I do understand that in some circumstances, the landlords are like, dude I got a gun to my head like I have to I need you to I knew that was not the circumstance with these fuckers right. and I was like I literally can't do this. so we weren't even trying to pay no rent we were trying to pay a lowered rent because two of my roommates were like we're fine we're gayfully still employed just working from home so it was like we're still going to pay at least two-thirds of the rent and they were like no all or nothing and I was like cool then nothing <laughs> And this turned into a whole thing. They had attorneys calling me, they had people banging on our door. They had like these letters taped or with like circled in red. And it was like all these threats about legal action. And I was like, you can't evict us. There's no, there's a moratorium. And they were like, actually watch us. And they had all this information about why they still could kick us out. And I, so I wasn't like, it was horrific for months before I finally just was like, you know what? They they said, um, basically if I got out, that they wouldn't come after me for any of the money I hadn't paid for three months, right. and I was like, "Cool, deuces, bye." And I came back to New York, packed all my stuff into storage, and I've been in California since.
0: Well, you know what? <laughs> They're all going <laughs> to hell, so
2: it doesn't Honestly. matter. Honestly, <laughs> at least those we've got that. People have to be living in their own personal hell to begin with. In order oh, absolutely. Well, that way, yes, but yes, yeah.
0: Okay, well, you're there, and. <laughs> Thank God you got through it. Um Laura, you are you are an artist. You are uh passionate about um conservation and climate and cooking and all sorts of wonderful things. Where do we even begin? But let's start at the beginning. You're born and raised in California. How did you um get the bug to take the plunge and and move to New York and be an actor? What happened before?
2: Okay. Well, this isn't it's not Adam will, Adam will laugh when I say this. I'm going to try to do long story short because it's a very long story, um, (laughs) me doing long story short, that's what you're going to laugh at. Um, well, that's the episode. uh, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Let's go to commercial. Jesus Christ almighty.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, I actually started acting really young. I started acting when I was eight years old. Um, and I started with comedy. I started with, um, improv, um, at eight years old and I'm, so heartbroken to know that there are so few of those kinds of programs for young people for people that young Mm. anymore um the program that I was in uh here in California when I was a kid it wasn't like like an LA program that was like for kids who wanted to be movie stars or whatever it wasn't like that it was so it was a theater program that improv and it was it wasn't like there's a first grade program and a second grade program. It wasn't segregated that way. It was like, kid, It was just ages eight to eighteen, and it was so incredible. and And I attribute so much of my knowledge and passion for storytelling to my years in that program because I was eight years old watching eighteen year olds. Um, oh shoot! They just started like yard work outside. Okay, if you that's your problem, let me know and I will move into another room. <laughs> but,
0: it'll be fine. Unless they've got a dump truck or something, it'll be all okay.
2: right. Okay, I think it'll be okay. Um, but <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was like eight years old and um, and I, I I was like these 16, 17, 18 year olds were, you know, doing improv and they'd been doing it for years and they were so funny and weird and, um, and just like, just watching them express themselves on stage i was like this child just looking up to them and just so excited to not just watch them but share a stage with them i got to be on stage and and share dialogue with these big kid slash kind of almost grown ups you know and it was um and i just wanted to be my brother was 5 years older than me and he was in the program and i looked up to him so much he was so i'm he's still a very funny person um and very talented and quirky and weird And um, and so I just learned so much about, you know, just first of all, the power of comedy, right? The power of like what and also the power for for people on the audience side, but also on the performing side, what it fucking feels like to make people laugh, like to be on stage and hear and you say shit and or do shit or just like your eyes twitch in a way and the audience is like bah, ha, ha. like there was nothing i had ever felt that, in life that am my 8 years old um that, you know that it ever made me i've
0: lived so, know, like, long without, so long without without the, the applause
2: <laughs> with <years>. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that just that was it for me like once i once i i mean so i got the bug at 8 years old and i yeah. never really w- went away from theater at um i actually recently this is the longest i've not been on stage since i was 8 years old is the pandemic um yeah. so this is fucking with my head but <laughs> um and everybody else's, you know but uh yeah so that was like started and then i did i did that program till i was about 12 and then the program sadly lost funding <laughs> and so um the program went away And, uh, when I was 12 or 13, and then I went in, there was like a summer program that was only for high school students, but it was with the same director, um, who had done that program. And so he brought me into the summer program for the high school kids. So I was working with high school kids as like a 12, 13 year old. And then, um, and then I was in high school and, uh, went to a great public high school. Um, or at the time their theater department was really great. Um,
0: Oh, nice.
2: Tired, but yeah i went to corona high and um yeah and so just stayed with it and then went to fullerton what was Pal- your
0: what was your what was your mascot the corona
2: panthers
0: oh oh nice the panthers go panthers panther pride
2: panther pride i mean i could give a shit um about i mean i love panthers <laughs> like in real life but like school pride has never been my thing but um but but the theater department was fucking phenomenal and it was this we had this tiny little like hole in the wall, falling apart theater, but it was very much a student run theater program. We had a wonderful teacher director, but she, she really just gave us the space to create. And isn't that
0: great compared to like the football team? Everybody has a coach, the assistant coaches, all these people, they're telling you what to do. But we've mentioned this before in an episode where theater was like, your set off on your own, get your lines down, get your blocking, have a smoke, whatever. You're an adult, (laughs) but you know, anywhere else it doesn't work, but in the arts it works because we're human. There is no age. There is no hierarchy. It's just, you're a human being. Let's get to work.
2: Right. Right. (laughs) And it was, um, and it was like that. Yeah, exactly. It was like that. And we were in high school, you know, so many people don't get that, like that, uh, kind of freedom to Mm. create until they're much older and then they don't know what to do with it. And they're like, no, no, no. Give me structure. Give me an office. Give me, right. a um, but, but I was, I was so addicted to that freedom as soon as I mm-hmm. got it. I like <laughs> nearly did not graduate from high school because all I cared about was theater and it's all I wanted to do or focus on. Um, but I mean, I directed my first play when I was 17 and, um, wow. that was just such a, such an experience that that so many young people don't get um and i was like oh yeah this is this is it for life and then i went to fullerton college
0: that that position let me let let me interrupt i'm sure that position and then being around people older than you did wonders for your confidence just as a human being separate yeah. from acting i bet it did i mean i i was an assistant director when i was when i was that age and it was like a a a an interesting um experience where not many kids would have that they would have that as a 20 some year old they would have that post-college but here you are making a schedule and getting things ready and it does wonders for a person's confidence to not even in acting but like in college and in internships and in life you have held a position even as a young person um where you were kind of responsible for certain things where most kids don't get that chance.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with that, it was, mm, it was such a cool experience to, uh, in like leadership, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, because I felt very responsible for, I saw people because, um, there were always, uh, not every show was student directed, but we, every year we had at least one or two student directed shows. And, um, I remember there, there were some student directors where you could see this is, this is a, a soapbox, the power trip. This is an opportunity to tell us what to do. And for me, it was the opportunity to collaborate. It was the opportunity to, to, um, be like, kind of have my, it was actually m- me and my, uh, best friend at the time we co-directed, um, went that, that's dangerous. Um, but, um, but for us to, you know, you just like, anytime you co-anything, it's like, you really need to make sure that your personalities. are, right. you might love each other, but you might not by the end of it. But anyway, but you, like knew, whole,
0: but you knew the importance of a. Tommy, this ego podcast and not is not
2: friendship. Yeah. <laughs> right. So far, you guys seem to be fine. But yeah, yeah, exactly, and I, I think that we, like the uh, the opportunity to sort of take care of our cast. We were also both in the cast, which is why we decided to co-direct because we didn't want it to be like one person who's in the show and directing the show and whatever, whatever. Um, And so, yeah, so for us to really take care of one another and really like listen to each other, get creative input from our cast without, you know, letting it be like a too too many cooks in the kitchen type situation. Um, But yeah, learning all those skills at that age was so insane. And I actually had... um, it was my junior year and I I had this incredible teacher, Mr. Inger, who was my geometry teacher at the time, who um I bring this up because I just recently uh learned that he passed away, which is so sad Aww. to me because I know Aww. he's rather young. And um but he was my geometry teacher and I hated geometry. I hated math. Um I didn't hate math, but I yeah. Yeah we
0: all and anth- we're all raising oh our God. hands, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, okay.
2: Really creative, it. talented, pretty people. Um we no just kidding. But not okay. Anyway, <laughs> but um, no, and like I, it's not that I'm terrible at it, but I just don't like the way that it's taught in school too. It's not, it, that that's a big issue for me because I find science so fascinating, and I find the way that science was taught to me in high school, which I know is not everyone's experience, but it certainly was mine, um, was insipid. I was just I did not want to be there, um, so I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so. The, But this geometry teacher, first of all, he was young. He was hot. Oh, yeah. And he was really nice. Um, And so I liked going to his class because he was hot. But um, And he was really nice. (laughs) But I hated geometry and I was directing my show simultaneously. And... It was so crazy because I wasn't doing well in his class. I wasn't failing his class, but I wasn't doing well in his class. Um, and honestly, the only reason I wasn't failing, it was because he was so kind and generous and I responded and very hot. well to that. And hot. Right, and hot. Um, and, right. and I told him, that. you know, that I was directing. <laughs> no, I won't. Um, and, uh... I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you say? You said, don't forget that, right? Yeah. I won't forget yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I said... Anyway, I told him I was directing the play and whatever. And he said to me a couple of times, like, okay, I know you're directing the play, but it doesn't mean, like, don't come to class. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and anyway, so then the night, I, I think it was, like, opening night of the show or whatever, he showed up to the show. And after the play... kissed um, you. No. <sighs> Tommy, you get your head out of the gutter. But he, like, I wish. Um, but but he he saw me after the play and he picked me up and he this is like in this day and age this would be like this is a no-no but at the time it was it was so just heartfelt and genuine he yeah. just picked me up and spun me around and gave me the biggest hug and he was like this was incredible I oh, understand my great. room is- and I was like amazing and You're still I was getting a just D butterflies and all the things yeah. Um I got a minus. C-. Yeah, C-.
0: C-. yeah, she yeah no 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 she got she's 10, like 10, can
1: 10, I
2: have
0: 10, 10, a D? Oh okay.
2: she got a D. <laughs> she um, said I'd love one. Speak, uh, this <laughs> um but anyway, so when we were finishing the semester, um he was giving like a little pep talk to everyone as we were leaving for the summer and uh in geometry class, and he said uh that he was um, he was like, you know, some of you did really well in my class. Some of you did less well. Some of you failed my class. And he, and he was just kind of giving this little pep talk. And then he said, you know, it doesn't matter. This is like high school geometry, like doesn't matter. But you know, I want you all, I want you all to succeed, whether you're a, like a math person or not a math person, Laura, can I share your grade with the class? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, Laura got a C minus in class. Um, she prioritized her play over my class. And I'm so glad that she did because that's where Laura's life is headed. I was, I mean, still to this day, I remember this. And I remember just like being so thankful for this person. And, you know, he was like, she didn't, you know, she's not set back a year. She didn't fail, you know, whatever. But a C minus in my class is fine for her. She's never going to walk into an audition where someone's going to say, what'd you get in high school geometry? You know? Anyway, I've always remembered that. And this um,
0: monologue is the quadratic uh, formula. <laughs> X equals negative b yes. plus or minus.
2: I'll believe you because I don't know what that is, but um,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's the only thing I remember from math. Okay, so um, that's wonderful, and God rest him.
2: Yeah,
0: it's always like the best teachers, you know, that go like I, I, I just we just had our choir teacher leave and he was like single-handedly changed the course of all of our lives, all of our lives. But that bitch science teacher that we had is still there. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. What the fuck?
0: (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, okay. So, so take us, take us through, um, through high school and, and into, into your college years. What's, what are the steps you're taking? What, what, first of all, what are your parents saying about your interest in, in this and what's coming up forward because there's some decisions you have to make here.
2: Yeah. Folks were always super supportive. They knew I wanted to do acting. Um, and um, my, so like my parents uh, went to theater school or went to, were theater major college in, nice. in, uh, in Jersey and grew up going to Broadway shows and stuff on the weekend. And then they moved out to California because my grandfather was a comedy writer for the Carol Burnett show and um oh how
0: interesting so
2: yeah and which and
0: which which shows sorry
2: um the carol burnett show the jackie gleason show and the honeymooners
0: that's amazing
2: yes so cool he was a wonderful man um and he uh he passed away when i was 19 which still this breaks my heart because there's so many things i would love to share with him and just Yeah. But he was one of my biggest fans. And, Hmm. um, and he was always like, you just got to get a sitcom kid. You just got to get a sitcom. You're, you know, you're funny and you're pretty and they'll never know. You'll never see it coming. They'll never see it coming. (laughs) I just, uh, if only it was that easy pop up, but yeah. Right. Um, but, but yeah, he, he was truly okay. I'm scared. This is going to get loud. Um,
0: it's okay. We can, we can edit. We can edit if there's some craziness going out there. So you're, Your family was not only supportive, but they were invested in the industry.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, My mom worked in the industry um, a bit. um, And then uh, when they moved down to, we're in Riverside County. um, We're actually in the city of Corona. It's a really weird time to move back to a city called Corona. Um, But I I know (laughs) your faces. Um, Yes. But uh, when they moved down here and bought their house, um, Cause at that time, like a, like a young couple. You could do age that. You could buy a house. Um, right. Yeah. Um, with, with two children. Um, we'll never Yeah. At that. that time, my mom. Um, what? Oh, I know. We'll never. No, no, no he <laughs> won't. Um, but. <laughs> but. Yeah. So, so at that time. Um, my mom didn't completely step. Eventually she kind of stepped away from theater, but she always raised us with this sort of, uh, that, that, I mean, I always knew my mom was a theater person. Like she raised us as a theater person. And like, with, like, I didn't realize until later that it wasn't necessarily normal for everyone in your family to have like voices and character and stuff like that, that we play at home. And like, sometimes mom would be the witch and like, Uh. you know, I didn't know that wasn't normal. Um, And so, yeah, but they were very encouraging of us um, being in these kinds of programs and doing these kinds of things. Um, and then, yeah. And then also I was lucky that I had my brother who I've had, I have two wonderful brothers, but my older brother, um, pursued, um, he went into the more in the film direction, um, Mm. and, and more, um, directing writing, um, and editing. And, um, so he was pursuing that as well. So when I said, I wanted to continue with theater, they were like, yeah, of course. Um, but I did decide to go to Fullerton College because it had such a reputation for such an incredible theater program while it wasn't this like take out a bunch of loans, um, <laughs> like kind of, um, you know, four-year university situation. Um, and I, uh, I always thought that I would transfer to a different school, um, a different university. And then, um, I had the same kind of situation there where I had so much well, Adam and I I met Adam there, and we had so much creative freedom there. There was so much like space to explore and play. Um, it was such a wonderful program. Um, but while I was there, um, there was, um because Matthew Lillard went to the school at some point. Um, and so Gary Crinky, our one of our head theater um, acting acting teachers, um would invite him back. Uh, Gary and and, and Charles, uh, Charles, Chuck Ketter, um would invite him back to do um like workshops with some of the students and they eight students, usually students who were had been a while and like I don't I don't know what you call it, like I don't want to say it, like special students or whatever, but like students who were like doing really well in the program and like were definitely gifted. like wanting to pursue this career or whatever. Very gifted. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Can <laughs> so they pick a Natural, few of us gifted um, people? raw,
1: gifted talent,
0: extremely advanced. <laughs> and for those who don't know, Matthew Lillard he's a he's an actor. Um, Screen, The Descendants, Scooby-Doo. TV Scooby-Doo. shows. Yeah, uh, you know.
2: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, and he's fucking awesome. He's a wonderful person, and um, he really he, uh, he like we had fun during that. You know week or whatever that we did this workshop with him and he pulled me aside on the I think yeah I guess it was the last day and he's like and he I lifted exactly me he up and like, said
1: fuck this geometry class <laughs> you don't <laughs> need <laughs> wrong person wrong person
2: you spun me around no he was like he was like I was talking to my wife about you and I like I can't like figure you out and I was like okay and he said uh you're really funny do you want to be here And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, do you want to be in New York or do you want to be in California? And I was like, I don't know. Um, And he's like, have you ever thought about going to New York? And I said, yeah, yeah, like a lot. And he said, "Um, there's a program there called Circle in the Square. And I knew um, uh, Candice something, I forget her last name now. Um, But anyway, I knew someone else from Fullerton who had gone there and I had heard of the program and stuff. And he's like, okay, I went there. You should definitely look into that program. And I was like, "Amazing, cool!" Um, and uh, I went home that night and looked at it, and and he and it was everything that I, I was like, "No math classes." It was just, right. It was, a, it was a conservatory. It was just, you know, theater. And I was like, "Yes, this is what I want to do. Where I want to be." Only like minor hiccup in the plan was I was getting married, um, which was like, let's just call it a hiccup. I made a mistake, and that took up like an extra year of my life. But copy um, that. Yeah. But the following year, um, after I was married, um, and I was still married at the time, but I did, um, uh, see, it makes sense that it would get loud outside right when I'm talking about my marriage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, so, uh, so I did decide to audition for circle and, um, got in and it was a little bit of a, like a messiness because, my husband didn't want to go and um, didn't really want me to go. Um, and I just decided, well, that's stupid. Like, I'm going. Interesting. And-
0: now, so we, we've never really touched on this, but, okay. you know, I, I, I love that, that you opened up about this because there are people um, I, I have known in Chicago maybe who... Their destiny lied uh, in another market, but because they had tied themselves down to someone, maybe they were in the wrong situation. Maybe yeah. they didn't think about the idea of a new market, a different place. What happens if I book the show? There are certain things that we have to do as actors to um, – to p- to prime ourselves f- to be open for the opportunities that come. And this is a perfect example of you being in a situation that in hindsight now you know that that was not the situation that you needed to be in. Maybe it was supposed to happen that way, whatever. The point is there was a clash there of, of preference of where you want to live yeah. and, you know, being with someone getting into relation, we talk about everything with acting, including romance, right? If yeah. you get into a relationship with someone, the first thing you talk about is, you know, get the politics and the kids and all that stuff out of the way. And then you say, by the way, I am deeply serious about this thing. I feel yeah. so passionately about it. It might take me to an, an, an alternate location. Yeah. And it's really important that you're on board with me, um, yeah. regarding that. So, so this is a wonderful, uh uh, experience that we can kind of, people can grow from. Sure. Um, so that must have been extremely difficult for you. How did you navigate was, that?
2: I talk about it very, um, humorously now. Um, it was very difficult at the time. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he was not a bad person. Um, it just, it didn't, it didn't make sense. Um, at that point, he, he was also a performer an incredible, um, singer. And, uh, and I thought that he would have, want this, like let's do this together. And um, you know, at first it was like a, well, he's wrong. And then in his head he was like, she's wrong. And in mm. the end, especially, you know, this is now 10 years removed from this situation, I can easily say, um, nobody was wrong. It was just, this was not like where his journey was like this is where our, where our paths, you know, divulged or is that the right mm-hmm. word? No, no, not the word. Delved. Delved sure whatever the the, I don't know work in the road I was going one way He was going the other anyway our journey together was over at that point um and that's not a bad thing um you know it can be a difficult thing it was a very painful thing at the time but you know he he directs theater um in uh in Palm Springs now he's married he has a baby like he's got this whole like wonderful life i have a totally different life um and i i would not give up the life that i have now to have like tried to figure that out um i do think it's so important for you to really really not i mean as a person not just as a performer um but especially as a performer maybe or as a creative person um you have to listen to yourself and what it is you need to do so if you know like You know, it's not like your ego pulling you, it's your, it's your gut and it's your heart pulling you somewhere in some direction. And you're with a person who cannot join you on that journey because it's not the right journey for them. That's more than okay, but you need to let each other go. And I'm so grateful that I made that decision to let him go as painful as it was at the time. um, Because I think that, um, yeah, it was, it was necessary um, but it was, you know, I was 23. And I, um, and so I didn't know that this fucker was going to be there. Um, a, uh, Adam, I I, I was, um, I thought that I was going to move to the city by myself. I was like, my husband's not coming. I don't know anyone there. Um, I'm just, I'm going. And then I get a phone call. From, I don't know, Adam, you what? want to tell the story? <laughs>
1: Well so I had gone okay. from Fullerton and transferred to UC Riverside. So Riverside, and I yeah. was there for 2 years and you know we weren't going to mm-hmm. the same school anymore so we kind of Yeah, we weren't really in touch as much. Yeah. And um you know I was always wanted to transfer And I got married
2: so I was <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um and I had always wanted to transfer in some way to New York whether that be an MFA program or um, a conservatory program. And so I got into American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Circle in the Square. I chose Circle right. and I had called Gary okay. and cause you know, he had been writing me letters of recommendation throughout this whole process and all that. And I said, Hey Gary, I finally, I, I just found out I got into Circle in the Square and I'm going to go in the fall. And he said, Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Well, you'll have to call Laura cause she's going as well. And I was like, what, like in the fall with, and he goes, yeah, she, I just heard from her and she just got in. I said, no shit. I haven't talked to Lauren forever. And I called Laura and I said, Hey, I, she's like, uh, yes. Hey, no, we haven't talked to each other in a while, but I just called Gary Crinky to tell him that I got into circle in the square and he told me you got into circle in the square and she goes, yeah, they put me in one a. And I went, no shit. I'm in one a, not only were we going oh my God. to the same program, we were in the same class, which is about what, 15 people,
2: you know? Yeah. Um, to clarify, this means that we, we were like, we met at Fullerton. We were, you know, it was like a lot of different people at Fullerton, but we ended up like, like in a same kind of group of people friends and whatever and and casts and same shows and whatever, hadn't seen each other in two years. Now suddenly we are accepted simultaneously to the same year, the same class. And it's there's only three classes A, one B and one C. We we're both going to be in one A, which was 17 people, I think one person dropped. So like 16 people, 16 people, 17 people, you know, accepted into this class from the whole world. And Adam and I were both in, like, both these kids from effing Fullerton, California. It was so wild. I was like, are you kidding me?
1: But I, I had never moved out before. So oh, that's right. Yeah, so all dumb- the way across country to New York City, yeah. it felt so wonderful to have somebody that I knew. Not only be oh, yeah. going, but in the same class as me, right. so yeah. it wasn't as you know jarring, and we always kind of like held each other's arms, yeah, and yeah. Each other.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: it was very bizarre and we very each serendipitous. Yeah, so we moved to New <laughs> yeah. York City together and did circle together, and yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah. that's that's wonderful and so you guys kind of had each other going in yeah. um and then you created kind of a community in that in that bubble as well um now how mm-hmm. was how how long was that was that one year or two years
2: the two year program um adam Adam stayed for one and um and I, he well he, I, I you told the story during the first episode I heard you um and i yeah, i stayed for the second year um but the thing is one of the things that I was most attracted to about the second year. I am a big fan of Shakespeare and Chekhov and all of that. But I, one of the main things was I was like, second year is when they like introduce you to industry people and they start talking to you about like how to audition and like all these things. And I'm going to go ahead and say that most of that was useless. Um, but not completely useless, but the, and, and I, and I don't blame the school for this. Um, but it is so different. And this is one of the things that like having the grand my grandfather being who he was and um, you know, you would think that having like an Emmy Award-winning television comedy writer for a grandfather, mm. he would have some sound advice to give me about what it's like in the industry. The industry is so fucking different every, you know, few years, but I mean the jump from when the Carol Burnett show is happening to what it's like now. Is so vastly different. Also, I predominantly did want to pursue theater, and even but even the theater world. And he he wrote for theater as well, and he was in New York for a long time. He's from Brooklyn, but um, but but even all the things that he told me, you know, it was like he knew what he was talking about, but he was talking about stuff from decades ago, and it, it's just not the same. And so to to expect this school, which was predominantly run by older people who, who were, you know, very much involved in this industry for, for decades. um, But they don't necessarily know what it's like to go into auditions now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were some people who had some really good advice. um, But a lot of it, like I, I heard on your first episode, Adam talking about the whole thing where all of a sudden, you go into a room with a headshot and resume, and they're like, we don't need this, because everything's digital now. And it's like, no one should be made to feel like an idiot that that's the case now but like things are changing so quickly um right. so yeah so that was um yeah yeah so
0: so when you that last year was you mentioned semi useless uh what happened well, then when you ones, in, in that I in that was. aspect yeah yeah and when you when you left or when you started to kind of go out on your own um how did you acclimate yourself to this New industry um as things were changing uh, in terms of the agent auditions, getting yourself in the room, what yeah. happened kind of directly after graduating
2: yeah, so um here's where I I mean in so many ways my experience will be very much like anyone like like many other people's, but um at the same time uh there there is an element of this where I think my um experience might be a little bit different, but um so, so this, a lot of people could probably relate to. So we had like a, like an industry night um, mm. at the end of our year. And um, there were some really cool industry people who were there. There were, um, and, and then there were, um, but there weren't a lot of people. There weren't a lot of, this wasn't like, um, yeah, there there weren't a ton of people. Um, but um, I basically got calls from four different people. One was a manager who told me um, in our first meeting um, the importance of acknowledging that at some point in my career, I would probably have to do nudity if I wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. Um, okay. So I that. try
0: to do nudity at least like once a month. So I get the funny
2: thing is I have, but, um, ah, but that's total is,
0: bullshit, by the way, though. That is, but that is utter bullshit. Just, just to let ever... someone listening. know.
2: <laughs> yeah. If anyone says that to you in a first meeting, you go ahead and lose their phone number. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so I promptly lost his phone number. And then there were two commercial agents who were really interested in me, which was cool. Um, and I did go on a lot of commercial auditions. And they're like, "If you want
0: to get in a good commercial, network national, you they gotta do nudes." Yeah, right.
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, they were both um, they were both very respectful um, and lovely. One was more one was all union stuff, and one was non union stuff. And um, they knew each other and joked about like, "No, she's mine." And and it was funny because in the end, neither of them ever got me cast in anything. <laughs> um, uh, but they did send me out on things. Um, and yeah, so I was doing a lot of commercial auditioning, which was not something that in my head I was interested in. But people were like, Yeah, but if you book a national commercial, like you can make so much money and then you can pay your rent and then you can do the stuff you want to do. And that was just so consistently the narrative for so long was like, Just do this and then you can do what you want to do, and then you can do what you want to do. And it drove me crazy. And I want to say this carefully with utter respect for wherever anyone is in the process and however anyone is, uh, getting to do what they want to do. But I will say, don't ever lose sight of what it is you want to do, because, um, I think that it's very easy to be like, well, uh, I mean, fully be open to learning that there's something else you want to do. And I know we're going to get into that kind of stuff. Um, but but don't think that you have to only, it's like, well, I'm working and my, my brother works in television. um, My younger brother works in television and he's been on some incredible sets, but he will be the first to tell, like, he's made really good money and he's, you know, been working with all of these incredible, um, um, names in television and this and that. But he's like, you know, once you get to the point where you're working these 18 hour days on projects that you don't believe in, and you just don't care anymore. It's like, So what I'm working in my industry, I don't care about anything that I'm doing. And so that was really hard for me was like this narrative that I was hearing that it was like, for a lot of years, you're probably gonna have to just like hate what you're doing. But, Mm -hmm. um, and coming from two years of, you know, immersive collaborative creation with all of like, some of my favorite actors to this day that I've ever known were the actors that I met at Circle in the Square. and and i was like fuck man and i'm like watching our little like tribe just like get stretched thinner and thinner and thinner yeah. and everyone was just like lost and out on their own because it was like what you know it gets so individualistic in this industry mm. once you get out of school or whatever you know it's like okay well like you're on your own, like may the best man win or whatever. And it's like, no, man, like I want to support you. I want to be at everything that you do. I want to hear about every bad audition. I want to go get Thai food with you and catch up with you and talk to you. And like, and once that started feeling like it was very threatened, I was Mm. like, I need to assess, you know, and, and and it wasn't that easy. It wasn't like I had all the confidence to be like, this isn't right for me. I, it was, I at first blamed myself, like there's something wrong with me that I can't just like hustle grind, keep doing it until I book a national commercial and then I'll get to create whatever theater I want. And I was like, Mm. man, what's wrong with me? Um, And, and in the end, you know, this is jumping a few years, but like I realized, and, and a big part of this realization came from the fact that the fourth person from my industry night who was like, I would really like to work with you was, um, actually someone who had gone to circle with us our first year, um, with Adam and I, um, and her name is Riva Pala and she was creating a theater company right out of circle. And she, 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 like Adam didn't go to our second year. Cause that wasn't, um, she was interested in was like the, the classical theater stuff. So she went right into industry stuff and created a theater company and everything, but she really wanted to create like a small theater company filled with like really good actors who could help uh, playwrights get their plays up on their feet. And so, um, so we would get submissions for anyway. So she cast me and I believe
0: this was this fresh
2: produced, fresh produced. Yes.
0: Cool. So Laura, Laura was a founding member of uh, and one of the core actors of, of fresh produced a theater company dedicated to work. Shopping new uh, pieces of theater in in their early stages, yes. right? Yes. So in in 2014, you became the artistic director of Fresh yes. Produced so we, in, we moved in New York, to Los
2: Angeles. Yeah, and then I right. took over.
0: And and you came up with a mutant peep show uh, to produce the first workshop of a of a beautiful new science fiction play. I think it was called Bounded in a Nutshell yes. by uh, Mason C. Stewart. So talk yeah. about yeah. talk about these these new. Th- theater companies and jumping on in the importance of that kind of community as yeah. your as your colleagues or you, I should say your fellow students was thinning you yeah. were um creating strong fibers after college with with these new theater companies talk a little about that
2: yeah cuz that i mean that was really my family like we were family you know and then to all of a sudden it was like some people are moving away some people are moving in this direction people are just worried about paying their rent people are just you know everyone's like kind of scrambling. And then like everyone's in some outer borough somewhere to just trying to be able to afford living in the city still. And, um, and we were very stre- stretched, very thin, but, um, my boyfriend at the time and, um, and a couple of our other friends, um, well, there was, so there's fresh produced, there was, uh, third year collective, which was a theater company that, um, Myself, David Lind, Nate Jensen, and Rebecca Steele started. And then David and Nate and I continued it when Rebecca left. And then um, anyway, so so we had a theater company um, and then and then I was part of Fresh Produced and then went on to. So it was like we were trying to just create community where it made sense, where it was like, okay, you may not be able to like, we might not see each other every day anymore. We might not see each other every week, but we will fucking have a reason to all come together. Hmm. once a month and read Shakespeare, or we will have a reason to come together once a month and play, do something, you know? And then, um, so between Fresh Produced and third year, um, I, I started producing theater as well as getting the opportunity to at least perform and meet all these new playwrights through Fresh Produced. Oh my God. Um, and then it was actually, um, uh, Third year, um, we had one really wonderful um production of uh Alexi K. Campbell's The Pride, which was really wonderful because it was also um it was produced uh and Adam was our lighting designer, right? Yeah. You are a lighting designer? Yeah. Oh how yes. about that? Yes. And we um we actually produced that. Um it went up the it's it, it's it's about pride in, in England. Um the difference between being uh, a gay person in England in 2000 or in uh, 1958 versus 2008. And it jumps back wow. and forth between the different time periods, but it's the same characters as they would have existed in 1958 versus in 2008 and the differences of their different struggles. And um, that's and,
0: amazing. I love yeah. that idea. I love that concept.
2: Oh, it's such a one. It's such a wonderful play and, and still one of my one most wonderful memories of, of, a, um, of a, a piece that, that I worked on and produced um and we uh so so the pride w- uh, went up the same week that um doma the domestic marriage act was um being argued in the supreme court and so on our open we got to run out after the show and announce to the audience that it was found unconstitutional and gay marriage was um wow how yeah. special yeah yeah so it was really special um yeah so things like that we were kind of trying to keep um, these things happening, but it just kept coming up where, um, oh, so mutant peep show is Jason's company. Um, I met Jason after fresh produced, we had this enormous backlog of play submissions from, for years, um, because we only produced, it was like three playwrights work per month. and And it was like short segments of their plays that they were trying to get on their feet and stuff. And so I I was like, okay, I have this whole backlog. Why don't I go through this before I start asking for more submissions? And I found this gem of a play, Um, Jason's Bound in a Nutshell. And it was just the first 20 pages. And I was weeping, reading this thing. It was so funny and clever. And it was this like sci-fi domestic drama, but it was also incredibly humorous. And so smart. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this for stage. I must produce this. And so, um, yeah, it was like a two year period of workshopping the full play. And he kind of wrote it after we did the initial 20 pages at Fresh Produced. Um, I was like, I will produce your entire play. And he said, okay. And then we met every month for two years um, and he would every month have a new rewrite and we'd meet at someone's apartment and someone would make dinner and we'd all have dinner and read the new draft of the play. And after Talk about,
0: years. talk about quickly producing and what that is. So you talked about like getting together, reading the plays and doing things yeah. well, as a producer, just like, you know, a quick rundown. If someone was like, it sounds fun. I want to look into that and adding to my acting. I want to produce. What are the duties that you had to do as somebody just taking a project and wanting to produce it?
2: Sounds fun. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know that it's fun, um, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. There's probably a few things more satisfying um than than taking some taking someone's work um that's on paper and being the one who's like i'm gonna bring everywhere and we're gonna fucking make this a thing like a living breathing thing um and once you see it up on its feet it's it's unlike anything um while it's, it's a lot of work though. It's a lot of work. And it's, um, if you don't have money, because uh, some would argue a producer's job is to, to find the money is to, is to get the money. And, um, the, a lot of, or a lot the of,
0: sweat equity or yes, the people, right. Yes. Or the venue who wants to, who's well, oh no it's to, all
2: those things. It's all right. those things. But some, some would argue that it's like, like, oh, okay. Once you figure that stuff out, it's like, well, then you bring in a producer and they just find the money. Well, that's not who I was. Um, right. I mean, I did do that, but it was a lot of like crowdfunding and, Using my own money, which I didn't have, um, but found or pretended Stole. I had,
0: right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and um, so it was a lot of uh, mistakes. A lot of mistakes early on with that uh, that side of it. But I, I do think that something that is a strong suit of mine is bringing people together. Um, if I'm really, I have to be passionate about the project. I can't just do it because because someone's going to pay me to do it. Um, mm. But um, that's kind of my M.O. for my life. Um, I'm very bad at maintaining any job that is not something I really care about. Um, but when it was a piece of theater that I really cared about. And first and foremost, I am an actor. So um, these were all projects that um, that I wanted to work on as an actor, um, not just wanted to, but I knew I was like right for and, and and Jason, bless his heart, really did write the role of Deb on me, which was one of the greatest gifts that an actor can have is have an incredible playwright who's like, I love working with you and I will continue to write this character for you. Um, And so I have this this role that I got to originate and and these incredible people that I got to bring together. um, Some of my favorite, basically it was a four person cast and it was like three of my favorite creators um, in New York that I got to bring together and we all we all did this together um yeah so i got, you know i figured out rehearsal space and uh scheduling and um theater performance space and marketing and um all that stuff <laughs> um by myself fun i was very stuff. much a one man show when it came to that yeah fun stuff but i did all the have-
0: while you yeah. you had you had to work right did you have side jobs I- what were you doing to to get by
2: at that time um I was in a bit of a position where I had I was because I was private chefing. Um, see, okay.
0: so so you you culinary wise, you started getting into that. How many years into living in New York, and how did you get into that?
2: Okay, yeah. um briefly, I had a family member who I really loved, who I, I still love, um who was having some health issues while I was having a lot of emotional issues, and um because i it was actually while I was going through my divorce that um we got to spend a lot of time together and I basically discovered um how much of a difference it made in my mental health and in his physical health uh and both of our physical health when we started um experimenting with plant-based with a plant-based diet, but I didn't really know how to do that. Like I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was supposed to eat or anything like that. And I did not know how to cook. so then when I was in my second year at circle, um, my partner at the time was interested in going vegetarian and I was wanting to go like exclusively plant-based, um, but sort of slowly and gently and like, you know, still getting drunk and having pizza sometimes or whatever. Um, but like, I predominantly wanted to wanted to explore this because it it felt so different. And then I started learning a lot about the environmental impacts of animal agriculture. And I started learning more about the ethical side of it and how like 90 something percent of our meat comes from factory farming. And I was like, fuck, man, okay. And then I just was like, this is my life. But if it's going to be my life, I need to learn to cook this way. And then I I am very grateful that my partner at the time was, was very much interested in like, learning to cook with me. So we got to play a lot in the kitchen um, that that first couple of years of, of learning to be plant-based. And, and then I just kind of discovered that I had a knack for it and it was something I really loved. And then randomly someone offered to pay me, um, Lisa Miller-Wolfson, who's a big activist um, who created the documentary "Educated," She's um, an activist in the animal rights world, which was not something that I thought I was interested in at all at the time. But then I, you know, it's like, once you learn about all the things, it's like, how could you not care about, you know, all of it? But um, yeah, so I started working as her sort of personal chef. And then I was also, um, I ended up writing, co-authoring her cookbook with, yeah, we we co-authored a cookbook that came out last year.
0: Yes. Um, So this, this, this book is called The Vegucated Family Table. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. The uh, irresistible vegan ref- recipes and proven tips for feeding plant-powered babies, toddlers, and kids. This just came out in twenty <laughs> yeah, twenty. Came
2: out in August. That's um, wonderful. Yeah, it was like sort of Marisa's dream book. She really wanted. You know, she produced the Educated uh, in two thousand seven. I want to say, and um, then she had two children um, after that, and was raising them plant-based. But going to, um, you know, for them, yes, yeah, strictly vegan, their family was, you know, she was raising them strictly vegan. And um, she was having to do all this research herself about how to do that healthfully because um, even though uh, a predominantly like whole foods, plant based vegan diet is a very healthy way to raise a child, there's not a lot of literature, there wasn't a lot of literature about it. Um, and, and uh, most doctors are not just factually, they're just not educated in nutrition, um, at all. And, um, and so you'll have pediatricians who will tell you this is child abuse and, um, that's happening less and less now, but it was happening a lot at that time. And Marisa was like, I really want there to be a book that's, that's for parents who want to raise their children this way. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of like a Bible, like to hold their hand through doing that um, and giving them like real legitimation that they can give to their pediatrician to talk to them about it because you want to have a supportive pediatrician, um, you know, when you have children and all that. So, um, but she wasn't really a cook. Um, she had this platform and was an activist, but she, um, she wasn't really a cook. So I was working for her. And then at some point we became, cause we were becoming friends. Um, we both had comedy backgrounds and, and it was, um, yeah, it was great. But she, she was like, she would tell me about the book all the time and I would cook something and she'd be like, this is going in the book. And I was like, what is this elusive book that you keep referring to? And then she explained it to me. And yeah, about six months after I started working with her, she said, do you want to co-author it with me? Um, and yeah, so it was, it was a process, um, writing it over several years, but it finally came out. What an
0: accomplishment.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. We were sort of robbed of a, of a book tour and all those things because it came out in 2020. But um, I'm really proud of it. I'm I'm very glad that it exists. She was so adamant about that being a resource for parents. And I I love that that exists. Um, yeah, I love that it's, it, it. Laura, yeah. one thing that
1: I've always really yeah. admired about you is that post-theater school, and for someone who really wanted to stay in the lane of theater and live performance you know in new york is so hard and instead of sort of waiting and seeing how things would go you really grabbed the bull by the horns and decided i'm going to produce my own theater and you kind of became the creator of all these things and At a certain point in your New York career, when you got into activism, more specifically environmental activism, you had this idea to take these two really pillars in your life of environmental activism and theater that you were so passionate about. And at a certain point you combined those two and started making theater about environmentalism and activism. And can you tell us about that and how that idea came about and how you started executing it and just where that all came from?
2: Yeah, thank you, Adam. Um, I was at dinner with my friend Jonathan and kind of just word vomiting or just emoting to him that I'm so frustrated because on the one hand, how could I not? continue to participate in environmental activism and on the other hand how do i not continue pursuing theater and i feel like i'm not doing enough in either camp mm. and he leaned across the table and he just put my hands together
1: <laughs> i love that
2: and it was like one of Check. the most beautiful life changing <laughs> moments and it was so simple and he didn't he he still says to this he's like i didn't know what i was saying like i just knew that that's what made sense to me to do for you in that moment was to lean across the table and put your hands together and it was just like light switch wow. yes yeah yeah and so I environmental theater didn't really exist um occasionally I and I, I still have I, I still go you know explore when I see other people creating things in that vein but most of it's pretty angry most mm. of it's a lot of yelling mm. at you and anger and um, preachy, preachy, very preachy, luxury. And I was like, my background's in comedy. And I know that in my life and, and all of my favorite creators, like the best Hamlet I ever saw made me laugh. Right. You know, the best ham, the, like the Hamlet that affected me the most where I cared. I think Hamlet, Romeo, arguably Macbeth, Whiny bitches. Like nine times out of ten, the actors who play them are whiny bitches. They're kind of written as whiny bitches, but there's so much depth to a character who, with like self-deprecation, a character that understands its own shortcomings and um and flaws and uh, and are willing to um, you know, uh, be transparent about that. And and yeah, a character that that makes you laugh um busts you open. And I had several friends who told me the first time they came to my first, like the climate change project, theater project that I created. Hi mom. Um, the first performance that we had of it, I had friends who came to it and they told me, I think Adam might've been one of them. So like told me like, Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I had a drink before the show. Cause I was just like, I love Laura. I'm going to support her. I'm here. But like, 90 minutes of like listening to like climate change, sh- like talk on stage. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And everyone was like, it was funny. What the fuck? Like, and I mean, it's not all like jokes, 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 but, um, and you've both seen the show. So I'm
0: Interested. So, yeah. So, so yeah. Laura, you created Naked Light, a theater yeah. company merging environmentalism and creative storytelling in 2017. Naked Lights, your, your premiere project has been ongoing called Hi Mom monologues yeah. from the characters of climate change. I believe yeah. we saw that at the crane yeah. fringe in 2019, yeah. October. I believe. Yeah.
2: That was the last um, live performance of the show. Um, as of right now. Yeah.
0: It was tremendous. Adam and I went, we it's had wonderful. a guy's day and, And it was great. I remember your character specifically. I remember all these wonderful pieces. They were all so different, yet still had this thing tying them all together. It was wonderful. I don't remember the last time I went to something that was just so raw and beautifully done and original and incredible and good for you. A wonderful, wonderful job. We loved it. We loved and it so I much. And what I love
1: about High Mom is that it kind of keeps evolving, right? And you keep writing more and subtracting and adding and it kind yes. of, you know, as you do it, it always kind of has, I mean, your mainstays, but you know, there might be something missing, something added, yada, yada. But what I love yeah. so much about High Mom, your climate piece that you produced is like you were saying, it's, it has all these different colors to it where like some are really outrageous and funny. Some are very dark. Some are very serious. And what I've always told you that I love about that show is that you also had one piece in there. That's the opposite side of the equation where Mm -hmm. somebody who's the son, if I'm not mistaken, of a guy who runs an oil company, who has like 75 employees. And so it's not just, Climate change from one perspective, but you also have these other people going, you know, I hear this on the news and I know this and that. And, you know, I'm the bad guy now, but like I have all these employees and we live in this part of America and, you know, I'm in charge of putting money in their pockets. And then from that, you know, food on their table. And and food on the table. Yeah. I'm meant to be this bad guy. And it's like, so you do have opposite sides of the equation, which I thought was. Very mature and wonderful to put in there, but it is very funny and it's very dark and it makes you think and it's a little outrageous. So when you come out of it, you have this very wide spectrum of emotions that you got during the 90 minute show. And um, yeah, I saw the first one and then Tommy and I went a few years later and I saw it again and it's really wonderful. But I, thank you. It, it's so fantastic to see somebody who just has these two major loves that are quite different and you found a way to put them together and do live theater and have a troop of actors who get to work and put it on and also say something and
2: about something that you're so so passionate about once that little like light switch moment happened where Jonathan put my hands together and I started like my wheels started turning about, about combining environmentalism and theater. And then, and then like I birthed the concept of Hi mom and, and knew that I could bring comedy into, into this subject that was depressing the fuck out of me um, to make it a more palatable conversation that I could, you know, have, through the medium of theater, um, there, there has consistently been, even through all the other inner turmoil and battles that I've been dealing with personally, there has been this calm of knowing that I can with 100% confidence say I could spend the rest of my life working on this project and be so happy. Like, I don't like, I would love to work on other things. And I'm so thrilled that my, my wonderful filmmaker brothers are producing their first feature film and uh, we're halfway done sh- shooting it. And it's like this hilarious, weird uh, horror film. And I I'm in that and we'll be finishing filming that as soon as we can get like all the COVID, you know, stuff in order. Um and I love working on other. i made a wonderful short film with the two of you um, last or a year and a half ago or whenever right. that was. Um, and, you know, I love working on other things, but, um, but as far as like my work that I create is concerned, I could work on projects having to do with this um, forever. And, and the thing about Hi Mom, um, the, there are so many more stories that are going to come up. And also to clarify for, people who don't know what the project is, um it's it's a series of monologues. And um it's we have 10, 10 playwrights we're working with right now, but we've had about 14. And I'm one thing that I'm working on now is launching our new website, getting our finishing getting our nonprofit status because the intention is to put out like a massive like global call for playwrights. Because awesome um yeah, because we we want to just continue, but we also were like, I I just took the pressure off of like there needs to be a finished product. It's like the living breathing project, it's the living yeah. breathing theater project that we will always like, like characters like Mama or Greta or um Craig, who you were talking to, that I'd like to speak on briefly in a moment. Um man, um, those characters will never go away. They're sort of like our evergreens of the show, but they might evolve. Um or there may be performances or productions of the show we do without them or without any number of them. Um, but, but I think it's so important to start bringing others in. And that was a lot of why I was in Indonesia last year was because I was like, man, there's only so much like I can feel like I actually know about this subject. I have read and I've watched every documentary. I've read all these books. I go to conferences all over the country, but, um I was like, man, I want to go to where it's happening. Like yes, it's happening here in New York and there's places I can go in New York, but I was like I'm I was so obsessed with what was happening in the rainforest and um and like palm oil production and the dist- destruction of communities um and 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 the um ecosystems of the rainforest in Sumatra for palm oil production. So that we can have like packaged snack foods and shit i was like
0: yeah i, I still know. when i go to when i go to the store i still look at ingredients to make sure it doesn't have palm oil because amazing. of you
2: amazing and then <laughs> i also like in a way i love that i love that tommy and we have a wonderful um character in the show the orangutan who talks so beautifully about that oh, um I love, I love that scene i love it too i love it too and dace mcnally who played the uh the orangutan was so wonderful Um, and Reed who wrote that piece, who also wrote Greta and Craig and mama, um, is a rock star and a genius. Um, but, um, you know, it's so easy when, when you live somewhere like New York city and you're go, 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 and you're hustling, whatever it's, you like read articles and watch documentaries and be like, ah, I got it. Okay. So I'm going to do this now, or I'm going to stop doing this now. And it's like, it's always a bigger picture. It's always a more nuanced story. And, um, and those are the kinds of stories I really want to tell with Hi mom. And, and, and I really think that our storytellers are the best people, the best, like most equipped people to, to do that work. And so,
1: yeah. Laura, but, as always, we could just go on and on and on and on, but before we go, but before we go, do you have any advice for, you know, people in theater who are looking to produce or have other interests that they might want to combine with theater. Do you have any advice for yeah. people who want to start that as a venture?
2: I would say, uh, first of all, make it as important, uh, as, as important, a part of your pursuit of your career as, um, you know, networking or going to the gym or, um, or getting new headshots or auditioning or anything else, uh, spend time checking in with yourself, spend time writing, um, and really get to know what it is you want to do. Not just, um, I want to be a TV star. I want to be, you know, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to those kinds of things, but, um, you know, it's not just about the awards that you might want to win or a certain amount of money that you might want to make. It's, it's also, um, it's about being true to yourself and telling the kind of stories that you want to tell. Um, And the game has changed in so many ways. There, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, graduating from a theater conservatory in New York and then going out and auditioning and getting a job, like, was not the same as it is. Like, it's a very oversaturated, Um, industry now. And that does not need to be a bad thing. But one thing that I I think that is very positive to have come out of that is um, the opportunity, you know, with all these different media forms that we have, we have the opportunity to tell our own stories and to tell the stories we want to tell. So if you want to make a short film, if you want to produce a play, if you want to create a theater company, you can be pursuing other things simultaneously. But please do that and um theater is a wonderful media to talk about whatever you want to talk about i do advise against preaching at people because nobody needs it um we get plenty of it from social media we get plenty of it from everywhere else um and uh that's i mean if it's your thing and it's what you really want to do and feel passionate about try it but um but i would say um really um figure out figure out the stories you want to tell And don't rely on someone else to hand you that opportunity. Yes, you may still go to auditions and uh, want to get in certain rooms and in front of certain people that you do want to collaborate with. And that's wonderful. But in the meantime, you don't have to wait to enjoy, not even just enjoy, um, to be a storyteller, to be the storyteller that you are. And um, I know people really want to tell stories, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people like me, want to tell stories about um, things that they feel passionate about, that are causes, or that, that, or that could be, you know, categorized as a cause or something like that. Um, but uh, you want your storytelling based in character. Um, that's that's the most effective way to tell stories, in in my opinion, and and I think it's is my strong opinion. Um, and that's why the monologues in high mom work so well is because people fall in love with these characters. People fall in love with Greta, the turtle, people fall in love with the orangutan, or they fall in love with Craig, the oil man who, you know, has worked however many years for the oil industry and loves it still, you know, like, and then they see a different perspective and they think differently, but he doesn't sit up there and give a million statistics. He, he talks about the industry and the history of the industry. But he tells his story and you get to know who that man is. Mm. You get to know who that turtle is. <laughs> you know, you get to know these, these characters and that's the care. It's not the statistics. It's not the listing off of um, detailed information.
0: You're it's, adding the human element to the human form. element
2: or the turtle element or whatever it is. Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. The, the humanity and the the soul of, of these um, of these characters. And so that that I would highly recommend. Um, and I know you guys are doing wonderful work with, um, uh, well, this is before the break.
0: This is before Book the break. Book, Book, Book It is, is, yeah, produces the show.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, talking to talking to people um, through something like Book It or talk to, you know, or, and, and or, you know, doing things like the From Actor to Creator um, program through Jessica Blank. Um, I think there's a lot of resources to empower people um, to, to do some creating of their own work and simultaneously support you while you do the work to book whatever job you might want to book because you want to collaborate with certain people or you want to get in certain rooms, you want to get to certain places. Um, it can all be happening simultaneously, but just don't wait, just don't wait for someone to tell you, you get to be a storyteller. You get to be a storyteller every day if you want to be.
0: Very well Laura's said. new book, The Vegucated Family Table, Irresistible Vegan Recipes and Proven Tips for Feeding Plant-Powered Babies, Toddlers, and Kids. Laura, where can we buy this book?
2: I highly recommend that if anyone does have a family, you don't have to be vegan or you don't have to uh, want to raise your child entirely plant-based. But um, if you would like to learn more about raising a child plant-based, um, the book can be found um, through IndieBound.org or um bookstore.com.org bookstore.com the, or org. those are two places where you can be supporting local bookstores um during the pandemic um, and get your books through them you can still get them um i especially through bookstore i know you can uh, or bookshop bookshop.org you can um get them mailed to you still but it'll come from a bookstore a, a real local bookstore as opposed to um amazon um, right. Which is better for the environment and kinder to our communities. Um, so that's what I would ask and recommend.
0: Lovely. Laura, thanks so much for being here. I hope everybody enjoyed Laura's interview. Um, we'll throw up all the links to our descriptions. Um, Laura, where can people find you on um, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff?
2: Yeah, so um our new website for Naked Light is um might be up by the time that this airs, but um if it's not, you can find everything about all of this. Through my website, delhoward.com, uh, L A U R A D as in dog, E L H A U E R at uh, dot, dot com. And uh, not my email, that's my website. And you can email me through there. Um, you can also, if anyone is um, interested in writing a short monologue um, uh, about environmentalism, if you have, um, you know, the reason we continue to have um, playwrights, new playwrights constantly writing monologues for the show is because we it's certainly not a subject that any one person's perspective can uh contain you know um can cover so we love um different people's perspectives um and and during the amplification of of differences that different feel passionate about um having heard about subjects so if you're interested in writing um, a, a story about climate change, a monologue about climate change, a character of climate change, um, or environmental crises. Um, you can email me through the website, um, or uh, just lauradelhauer at gmail.com. and uh, yeah, we'll have information there. There's also, I think, a link there to my um Instagram, which is just at lauradelhauer, keeping it simple. Um, and yeah, Instagram's the social media that I have that I'm the most, where I'm the most present. Um, yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Laura. This was great.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. You're wonderful people. And I just miss you both so much. Oh,
1: we miss we you. Think I hope you're you to come well. to New York soon.
2: I actually, um, I'll text you that there, there is a very good possibility. I will be back in New York, um, at least briefly soon. Oh, amazing. Yeah.
0: Thanks for coming on, Laura.
2: Thank you Thank guys so you. much. Have a wonderful day. YouTube. Bye.
0: You know, not that that woman does not stand by and watch apathy no. is not in her wheelhouse. No. She will fight for anything that she that she believes in. I I admire that so much.
1: Yeah, she's she's is funny. She, I remember like a definitive point when she was here in New York, when she was just like, I'm not going to be a bystander. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if nothing's coming my way, I'm going to produce it and I'm going to produce it and I'm going to be in it. And we're just going to keep going and keep going. And she really has done that. And she is a workhorse. She's always producing, Mm. always working on something, workshopping, and um, then to, you know, take environmentalism and activism and combine it all. It's very uh, inspiring. And uh, she's just amazing. We could just talk and talk and talk all day. Yeah. You you know,
0: I think what I'm tying in all her experiences, they all come from struggle. Struggling to fit in, you get into theater. Struggling with the emotional stuff and that other person is struggling with their physical stuff. And then the love of food comes out and then the struggling with her friend at the diner where he puts the hands together. Cause she's struggling and she's having bored, vomit and vetting about all sorts of stuff. And that incepts the idea to, to come to bring these things together. So it's like struggling through life led her to so many wonderful pockets of freedom and yeah. Creative, you know, um, uh, experiences and, um, projects. And, and the other thing is that we've seen it all before where actors, um, almost to distract themselves from the mundane, uh, audition, uh, Side job, audition, side job, audition, side job, lifestyle, to have something that you're equally passionate about is a wonderful thing to yeah. allow the plate spinning behind you while you're focusing on other things and time goes by quicker, you stop wallowing in self-pity, you quit thinking about when you're booking something because you have other things going on and trust me for those listening at home, if you haven't tried it to implement something other than acting in your into your profession, you're acting starts to take off it's a law it's it's just like booking a vacation and you get booked in a commercial it's just yep. that's the thing so if you're struggling with that at, at home you're 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 so absorbed by acting and all of its all, all of the elements and things aren't working try picking up something completely different and just see what happens i think she's a great demonstration of that
1: absolutely that was a cool. good episode <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening everybody. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. We'll see everybody next week. Um, Adam, you, we can find you at uh, on Instagram. What's your handle?
1: Uh, that Adam DeCarlo or AdamDecarlo.com. and Tommy, how about yourself?
0: Tommy beyond on Instagram and Tommybeardmore.com. Um, on the, um, I don't know on the internet. Um, so they can also find out about before the break at at bookitnyc.com or follow us on Instagram at bookit underscore nyc. Adam, we'll see you next week. And see everybody at home, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week as well.
1: Yep. Leave us a review, write a rate. Wait, write a review, leave us a rating, and we will see you next week on before the break. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
2: You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sturley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.